Hello and welcome to the State Champs Hang Time Michigan Show Companion Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Kuhn and joining me in the podcast studio is Lexi Ayala. Hang Time is presented by Lawrence Technological University. LTU offers over two dozen varsity sports, including women's basketball. Athletic and academic scholarships are available. Recruit yourself at l2athletics.com. State Champs W's Hang Time Michigan is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSA is looking for officials. Visit MHSAA.com for details. The Michigan Army National Guard, the official military outlet of the MHSAA. The physical therapy and sports medicine pros with the Detroit Medical Center. Check out our Game Changers segment featuring terrific training tips and how to prevent injuries. Segments debut Wednesdays across the State Champs Network, including our State Champs TV YouTube page. Please give them a like. If you are in pain or injured for immediate care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female Athlete of the Year Awards. Are you an elite student athlete with good grades and represent leadership on your team and community? You could be nominated, but you must apply. Download the application at dacathleteoftheyear.com and send it in today. I'm Lexi Ayala, and this is the companion podcast to our State Champs W Hangtime Michigan Digital Show. We've got highlights and the information on some of the best girls basketball coverage on state champs, including a preview of some of the best games in the state and my hot topic of the week. So check it out on our website, statechancew.com. Joining us for this week's Chalk Talk, sponsored by the Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan, is Ken Dietz, who is the athletic director and head girls basketball coach at Water Vliet High School, which is located in the southwestern part of Michigan. Ken is also a BCAM regional director. Welcome to Hang Time. Hi, Coach. So you've been a coach for 36 years now. Where did your love of the game of basketball come from? Oh, I think it started when I was uh, probably five or six years old. And uh, my dad was a coach uh, after work. He he coached at a small Catholic school. Uh, And then, uh, then I became a manager for some high school basketball teams when I was in middle school. And uh, I was blessed to have people that kind of kind of took care of me and put me under their wing. And uh, it's been that way for for 30 plus years. So speaking of those people, who who are some of the people that were your mentors in this process? Well, most of my coaches growing up, uh, starting in middle school, but probably probably the high school coaches, uh, Coach Anderson out of Pawpaw, uh, Coach Martin, who I grew up in in that area, uh, and then Coach Miller and Coach Fazer, uh, and then uh my college basketball coach, uh, Tim Moore, and, uh, and the late uh, Gary Morrison uh, were great, uh, great mentors for me at Olivet College. And we love asking the question, if you could give some advice to younger coaches, what would it be? So what are some, what are some pieces of advice you would give them? Uh, just have passion for what you're doing and, and uh, just care and love the kids and uh, put them first and foremost in everything you do. And if you do that, uh, you'll, you'll have a lot of fun and uh, some great success. Coach, you've... Oh, sorry about that, Coach. Um, you've coached... Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh, we have some technical difficulties. Just a moment. <laughs> Got it? I think she sounds good. If I don't touch it now. Okay. <laughs> well, Coach, you've coached both girls and boys basketball. And my dad did the hold same up. thing. He Let always... Let me grab a table. Oh. We have to grab a different cable. We'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> I'll stay right here. 
Uh, it's it's this after that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, thank you. How's she sound? Oh, that seems much better. Much better. Okay, great. All right, back into it. Coach, you've coached both boys and girls basketball, and I know my dad did the same thing with me and my brother. He always said that girls listen a little better, but what's your overall experience with coaching girls basketball? Um, you, might, you might be right. I, I, you know, I've approached them the same way. Um, I, I approach it uh, with a lot of passion and love, for, like I said, for the kids. And um, so it doesn't, it doesn't really change much on, on what I do. Um, but I think the girls probably do a little listen a little bit better and uh, there's, there's less uh, maybe feedback. How's that for a, a proper way to say it? A little less ego maybe, yeah. Absolutely. So we know you have an in interesting history with the boys coach that you hired, hired at Water Valette, Dan Hoff. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, I, I started working as a, my first head coaching job in 91, 92 in South Haven, Michigan. And um, had a pretty successful team at the my first year. Uh, got beaten a quarterfinal game on a last second shot. And then struggled to build a program for the next couple of years uh, there as I stayed there. And then about 96, 97, uh, we had another really good team. And uh, we ended up playing Matawan in the district finals. And that was uh, Coach Dan Huff. And uh, so uh, they actually beat us at our place in South Haven on a, on a uh, three-point game and um, we went back and forth. I changed jobs a couple different times and, and a few years ago he was in our gym. Uh, he, he is a regional rep for Shootaway and the gun and uh, he was looking at our machines and I said, hey coach, we have, a, we have an opening. Are you interested in coming back? And uh, he'd done a little stint with uh, Western Michigan University, had a little bit of uh, heart problems and some, some health issues and, and so uh, he said, eh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking about coaching. But I said, hey, we run a camp in the summertime. Why don't you come check us out? Let, let me know what you think. So about a week later, he called me up today. I'm going to come down and watch uh, some of your kids play. And, and, he, and he looked at him and he said, hey, I think I can do this. And so I pulled him out of retirement and I told him, you know, we're going to struggle for a year. We have, uh, we have some cleaning up to do. We have some, uh, we've had a few coaches in the last few years, but we have some really nice kids coming. And I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, he's done a fantastic job. And 25 years ago, this March uh, uh, marked that date for uh, for he beating me in South Haven, but uh, we've maintained a great relationship, which is what uh, what this coaching is all about, right? Relationships, and, and it's been neat, and we're, and we're both having a lot of fun, a lot of success this year. Hey, coach, if you can't beat them, make them join you, right? <laughs> but let's talk about your team now. Uh, your Panthers had a tough one point loss in the districts last year to known powerhouse Hartford. Your team is five and zero. To start the season right now, you put up 69 points. That's pretty high scoring in the win over Bridgman. Let's talk a little bit about this year's team and kind of what style you're planning on playing with this group. Well, it's the same style we started playing in third grade uh, when I first started coaching these kids. Um, you know, we like to put pressure as much as we can. We like to run up and down the floor and have a lot of fun. And so that's what we do. We, we put pressure on you and uh, we like to run when we get the ball and get uh, as many people uh, involved as possible. We have a young group of uh, kids right now. We have one senior that starts and uh, a couple juniors and a couple sophomores and a couple sophomores and a junior that come off the bench. So, um, and we have a couple uh, kids that are hurt right now. So 
um, that are young sophomores. So we have a young team, but a fun team. Uh, they play all sports. They play volleyball. They play softball. And uh, they've been successful at everything they've done since, uh, since they were in elementary school. So it's a fun group of kids with great parents uh, and, a, and a good work ethic. Coach, can you talk about some of the leaders that you have on your team and what makes them a leader? Well, I'll, I'll start with our point guard, uh, MJ Flowers. She's five foot three, and uh, you know I think you have to have somebody can that, that can bring the ball up the floor and get things started, and she does that for us. And she's uh, worked extremely hard over the last couple summers and uh, done a good job. Uh, last week she had twenty one points on Tuesday against South Haven and twenty against Bridgman on. Uh, on Saturday, uh, she was five for ten from the three-point line uh, at at South Haven, uh, and then a, a young lady named Samantha Dietz, um, who's my daughter. Uh, very proud to, to, to say that uh, she's been an outstanding leader for us since uh, since her freshman year, uh, three-year starter, and um, she had again twenty-one and twenty, just like MJ the other day. They're their best buds, and uh, and she's a five-eight uh, post player, and uh, she just works extremely hard every day, and. Uh, that's what she expects out of her teammates, and uh, she's she's a great leader for us. Uh, mostly, uh, just because she works so hard and she and she has a lot of passion for what she does. Uh, and then we have a couple other kids. Grace Chiswick's a sophomore, one of the best athletes in our whole school district. Uh, set her on the volleyball team, um, and, and uh, you know our team got me in the quarterfinals this year with volleyball. And uh, so we have great leaders and gr we have great kids right now, which is a lot of fun. So it's fun to go to practice every day. It's fun to to go to the games, and uh, so we're blessed with those kids. Coach, you mentioned your daughter, so I have to ask, especially because my dad was my coach for so many years, what's that like getting to coach your daughter? Uh, it's special. Uh, it's really special. Um, and I'm blessed because she's a great kid, and, and she gets along with the other kids, and the kids like her, and she likes them. And and uh, so, it, actually, it's, it's easy, uh, you know, you're only as good as uh, your best player and how hard they work, and, and she works hard. So I, I never have to get on her about working hard. It's, it's, it's nice. And, and uh, so, uh, number one, it's special, uh, and I'm thankful that uh, she plays the way she does because uh, there's, there's not an issue ever with that, uh, whether we're running drills or um, whether we're just shooting free throws. Uh, she's, she's working at it, and uh, that's what all the kids do. We've been doing this since third grade, like I said. So it's special, and it's, it's fun. It's easy. That's awesome. Seriously, it's got my heart feeling all fuzzy and warm right now. I'm just, my dad's like my favorite person in the whole world. He's always been my coach and my mentor. So I'm, I'm just excited for you guys. Yeah, thanks. So, it's uh, special. So kind of going off that, BCAM has introduced and officially launched the One Team Campaign in an effort to promote unity among teams, schools, and communities. It's so important. So what are some things you've done already or will do, whether it's um, coming together at games or a community activity, to promote unity on the court and respect for each other? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks to BCAM for all they do. They're such an advocate, a positive advocate for so many good things in, in, in high school sports and obviously especially basketball. Um, you know, with this COVID thing, it's hard to do some of these things, uh, but, you, but you have to have it at the forefront of your mind. I think the biggest thing we do is our league has a, a nice saying that we read before the games, um, and, and we read something special as well just to uh, unite people, let them know that, you know, it's more about them, uh, more about the, the whole thing than them. Um, but the announcements that we make, I think the relationships that we have within, uh, within our conference is big. You know, we have a 14-team conference. Next year is going to be 18 teams. So that com 
encompasses, encompasses a lot of people in southwestern Michigan. I think the relationships that we have and the understanding uh, what we're trying to do uh, as a school district and especially in basketball is huge. But BCAM is out in front of all that stuff, uh, and, and it's outstanding. Um, so and we appreciate what they do to push that out to us to, to begin with. Coach, we also have a little segment on our hang time show called Lexi's Hot Topic. So I'm sure that you would have to agree with my last week's hot topic if you guys are putting up scores as high as 69. Introducing a shot clock to high school basketball. What do you think? Well, it wouldn't bother us because, uh, you know, we get at it right away. I mean, I told, we had a team meeting yesterday and watched a little film and, and – uh, after one of our baskets the other day when Bridgman scored on us, we got the ball outlet, no dribble from the outlet pass up to, the, our, to one of our wings, two dribbles, and it was 6.1 seconds. So shot clock <laughs> wouldn't bother us a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I'm back and forth on it. I've been involved in BCAM for a while where I was involved with the Michigan High School Athletic Association for a while. And so we worked on both ends with all that stuff. My, my biggest concern is, is uh, having enough uh, people to do that right now. It's just trouble. It's trouble enough to get people to work in every aspect of our of our country, mm -hmm. right? And especially high school sports. And um, it, that's a. I'd hate to have that be a problem within the within the game. Um, you need credible, hardworking, committed people to do that. Um, if we could guarantee that, I, I'd be all for it because that's it. Doesn't bother our style. Um, hey, it doesn't bother I, your style, but it might reward your defense. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and and, uh, and I'm all about that too. If anything can help our defense, uh, that that'd be good. So I'm not against it. Um, if we can put it in, let's do it. I have one more for you, Coach. I want to get your input on this one. It's pretty controversial, so I don't know how you're going to feel about it. But there's been a lot of talk for many years about lowering the women's basketball hoop. I know golf, women's tees are closer, volleyball nets are lower, tennis less sets. What do you think about the possibility of lowering a women's hoop? It never crossed my mind. I, I think it's great where it's at. I think, uh, you know, uh, women have uh, worked hard and, uh, and, and their game continues to prove. I mean, watch the, watch the college game and it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, watch some of these uh, uh, WNBA players. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I don't think I'd like it. I think they've uh, they've done well. I think the change of the ball was great, and that was perfect. And I, I don't think there's anything else that needs to be done. I I don't think it would be uh, it would be a positive thing. I mean, you might see a few more dunks, but that's that's not what the women's game's about. And uh, um, I think we're great where we're at. I think the game is good, and I think the the women work. Uh, just as hard as the men and, and have, uh, have represented the, the game of basketball extremely well. And I don't think we need that kind of an adjustment. Awesome, Coach. Well, I appreciate your input. I knew it would be, you know, everyone's going to have a different feeling about it. So I wanted to see what one of the great basketball coaches of our time felt. But Coach <laughs> Dietz, thank you again for all you do for basketball. Seriously, we really appreciate you taking some time out today and good luck the rest of the season. I'm glad you got off to a good start. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys this time. Uh, anything to uh, positively affect the game of basketball and especially high school sports in this day and age is, is welcomed. And I appreciate all you guys do and especially uh, what BCAM does. So best of luck. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help you guys ever, please ask us. We're there for you. Great, Coach. I'm sure we're going to try to make it out to some games. So we should see you soon. Great. Thank you very much. Have a great day and uh, have a good, uh, good New Year. 
Now it's time to get into some rankings talk with State Champs' own Matt Mowry. His latest top 25 rankings can be found on State Champs W website, statechampsw.com. Good to talk with you again. Good to be here. Matt, I want to know. Let's get into it right now. What's the big news in your rankings this week? The biggest movement overall was Birmingham Marion did not have a very good week. Um, it was it was Coach Mary Cicerone's birthday, and uh, she did not have very much uh, enjoyment celebrating mm. it. Early on in the week, they lost to Divine Child, and Divine Child has a tradition over the years of being a state contender. In the last four or five, they really haven't been on that level, and so to see them kind of catapult themselves back into the conversation, and the, the CHSL Central had really been kind of a two-team race over the last five years with Marion and Mercy. And for Divine Child to get right back in there and make it a three-team race, it's just going to make everybody better. Divine Child hadn't beaten Marion in eight straight games dating back to 2018. So it was, uh, I know it was a load off their chest. Uh, uh, It was Riley Blair who has had a great race for the season, just blew up in the game. I believe he had 33 in the game. And then after that, the big rivalry with with Marion and Mercy, and then Mercy ended up pulling away at the very end on free throws to win that one. So we had Marion in our top six last week, and they dropped 10 spots all the way down to to 16. Um, Still think that they're one of the best teams in the state. They have elite size. Nobody else has two six-foot-four players in the middle who are as athletic as their two bigs. Just with them, the, the, the difference is whether or not people are going to be able to take away those bigs and somehow deny them the ball and whether they have enough outside shooting to go around it most days they do i don't know if the situation in that game was just that they they got shut down from the outside so that was really the biggest mover uh last week we talked a little bit about those lansing area teams we had both dewitt and hazlitt come into the rankings and we knew it was going to be hard for both of them to stay simply because Tuesday night of last week, they played each other. Um, DeWitt ended up beating Hazlitt by two in a very low score in defensive game, 24-22. And then Hazlitt went on to beat another Lansing area power, Williamston, while DeWitt lost to East Lansing in another tight contest, 49-44. East Lansing has kind of been the powerhouse of the of the highest division of the Capital Area Conference over the last five to ten years. They've had a couple of missed basketball candidates, one missed basketball. Um, they, they've really kind of been the powerhouse in the Lansing area. DeWitt's been right there and Hazlitt. We had a couple of years ago where DeWitt and Hazlitt played really early in the season, and then they didn't meet again until the semifinals, I believe. So it could be looking at another year like that with both of those teams. DeWitt ended up hanging on to the very last spot in the rankings, um, and Hazlitt dropped out. More than likely, Hazlitt will eventually be back, but their spot was the one that we were able to to move Divine Child into the rankings at 24. They're they're seven and zero, one and zero in the Catholic League Central. Big week for them this week because they've got number 15 Mercy. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out. We, we see that a lot of times in the big in the conferences that are so tough. It's hard for teams to stay in, especially if they're on the lower end of the rankings, because they're going to beat each other up all the time. And that's kind of what we're looking at in the in the Catholic uh, League and, and the Capital Area Conference. 
So the last five years have been dominated by Detroit Edison. It seems only COVID could beat them come playoff time, as they would have won another state title a year ago if COVID hadn't disqualified them. So three state titles in four years. They're number one again. You've covered girls basketball a long time in the state. What are some of the reasons Edison is so hard to beat? Um, they have the very best players. They've, they've had over the last five years, every single year, they've had the person who goes into the season as the preseason favorite for Miss Basketball. And over the last four years, they've won every single one of those. Um, it's conceivable this year with Ruby Whitehorn that they could have, they could extend that streak. It's, we were comparing them at, before COVID hit, they were about to attempt what only Flint Northern had really done in this state in terms of sustained dominance. I mean, obviously a program like Country Day has the most titles, but they've sprung them out, you know, here and there over a 25 year span. Whereas Flint Northern had that one span where no one could beat them in the state and that's kind of what it's been like for Edison similarly they've had you know Flint Northern had the best players in that span Edison has got the best players right now and it, it kind of interesting a couple years ago when you know the Edison roster had what would eventually be three straight Miss Basketball you know winners on it a girl like Ruby Whitehorn as a freshman was talented enough to play on almost every team in the state except Edison. So Edison kind of developed this two-team system where they have a varsity team and a varsity B team, and that got a lot of the girls like uh, like Ruby and some of the other youngsters when they were very young, they're playing a varsity schedule. They're playing against, you know, very good teams, so they're getting experience. And then once, you know, every once in a while, they'll jump up with the regular varsity team and play a little bit. It got those kids a lot of experience that they wouldn't have gotten sitting on the bench behind all those juniors and seniors who were going on to, you know, Mississippi State and Clemson and places like that. So those kids, they've kind of worked out a system to develop those kids rather than just letting them languish on the bench. And, and it's really worked out for them, especially well. Those kids that were on the B team when they first started it are now the stars of the team today. I mean, what a blessing to be able to have a varsity A and B team. I know most of the girls' high school basketball teams around my area and Flint area don't even have enough for a yeah. JV team. So that's incredible. But Absolutely. I want to also know, Matt, what the bottom of your rankings are looking like. I know you said Divine made their way into the bottom and took a spot there, but we always like to hear about the teams that are fighting their way into that 25. Yeah, we have a couple that are just outside the 25 that are that are intriguing. Utica is 8 and 0 and they play in the Mac White, which is, you know, the the second tier of the the Mac. Usually the red is pretty separated from the white in terms of, you know, the most talented teams. Early on, we thought maybe that one of the top contenders in the red was going to be Macomb, Dakota, and Utica handled them pretty well um, early on in the season. They're 8-0 right now. It's just a question of, you know, once they play, the, the, the powerhouse in the white is uh, Lance Cruz North um, with, with uh, Brooke Daniels, who's headed to Oakland. Um We'll see how that shakes out. If they beat Lance Cruz North, they'll probably swap spots and have Utica pop in. It seems like one of those years where the red is very competitive, but I'm not sure there's a ton of separation between the red and the white this year, just the way it plays out. Dexter, another team that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. 
kind of a shocking score first week of the season or so they beat west bloomfield one of those teams like edison last year that was shut down by by covid rather than a loss in the playoffs all kinds of talent with the davis twins um and Sidney Hendricks coming back, kids like that. We knew they were going to be a contender, but Dexter beat them in the first week of the season. They had West Bloomfield did have a couple of those kids out with COVID early on, but Dexter's kept up the pace. They're they're eight and one, I believe, and or six and one, excuse me. And so it's kind of kind of watching where they are. They're in the SEC white, the Southeastern Conference's kind of second tier division. So once they start going through, you know, Chelsea and some of those teams, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But that's a team that certainly, I mean, yeah, when you face a West Bloomfield, part of it is you, you, you play who's on the floor. But still, when you play one of those powerhouse teams, you still have to beat them regardless of who's on the floor. And they did that early on. So it'll be interesting to see who that, how that shakes out. East Lansing is another one. I mentioned that they, they beat DeWitt. They've been one of those teams. They had a couple early losses. One of them was to Hazlitt. So it's going to be interesting to see, again, how that Lansing area kind of shakes out as we go on. But that's another team that... that Usually, routinely, when you start writing the rankings at the beginning of the season, you go, okay, East Lansing's going to be in here someplace. It's just a matter of, you know, slotting them in where. And then when they lost early, we kind of, you know, lost track of them, I guess. They're 5-2, they're 2-0 and, two, two and oh in, the, in the blue division. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Division 2, Lansing Catholic, another one from the Lansing area. They've got a date with Portland coming up in the CAAC White. So Portland's the defending D2 champion. We'll see how that shakes out. That's another team that could pop up into the rankings if they knock off the uh, the heavyweight in their division. Well, thanks, Matt. You can check out Matt Mowry's girls basketball rankings on the State Champs Women website, statechampsw.com. That's all the time we have for this week's State Champs W Hang Time Michigan podcast. For Lexi, I'm Elizabeth, and we'll talk to you next week. 